Welcome to the Permission to Be You podcast. This podcast is designed to inspire you, to push you, perhaps to even provoke you into giving yourself permission to be who you are, to show up in any given moment as you are, even if it's messy. I am convinced with every single fiber in my body that when we do this, we automatically or unconsciously give others permission to do the same. I'm Diane Schwierep and I'm your host. Today my guest needs no introduction. As usual, I haven't done any research, I never do. All I know about him is that he's written five books, he's created several things, one of them being a pack of cards, NLP coaching cards called Salad, which I am the owner of, and many other things. But today I want to, I think you probably, by now you've already guessed that my guest today is Jamie Smart. Thank you for accepting my invitation. I didn't think you would. I didn't think you would say yes, Jamie. <laughs> you did think I would or you didn't think I would? I think that you would. I thought that you wouldn't. Oh, you thought I wouldn't? Oh, that's interesting. I, I, uh, no, I, 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 it's very rare that I turn down a request to speak because I, I uh, you know, I feel very fortunate, Diane. I've, I've uh, been like, like yourself. I've stumbled across this understanding mm -hmm. and it looks to me like the best thing since sliced bread. Mm -hmm. And, and it looks to me like something that everyone on this planet can benefit from. And so if I get an opportunity to, to connect with people and to share what I, what little I've seen with people, then I jump at the chance. But Today I won't be talking. I wouldn't like to talk about the two principles. I know that you've written five books with that in mind and you, you, you articulate it in such a brilliant way. It's, I always enjoy listening to you because you, you make it sound, you explain it and, and make it simple. But today I don't want to talk about that, if that's okay with you. Today I want to talk about talk to the subject, the theme of my podcast, which is called Permission to Be You. And I suppose mm -hmm. it is linked to the principles because ultimately it's what pointed me to giving myself full permission to be myself. But mm -hmm. I want to know, I want to, get, I want to get to know Jamie. And not the Jamie that I see on Facebook that your energy is so high, I can't, I can't cope with it. I... For me, as an individual, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I just, it's just, I'm just low energy kind of person. I wanna, I wanna talk to Jamie, pre NLP. Jamie as a teenager, Jamie who had difficulty with being Jamie. Well, ask me whatever you like, and we'll see what comes out, Diane. Okay. Did you have, do you remember any stories or one story in particular about a struggle in being you and giving yourself permission to be you? Oh, tons of them. Tons of them. Are you kidding me? Like, Diane, I was a chronic alcoholic. I, uh, 
I the to me the the pain of living in a living in a world where I I thought there was something wrong with me and then doing whatever I could to find a, a way to deal with that. That was you know, that was basically uh the first pretty much from probably when I was uh four or five years old till I was uh till I was in my early thirties. So I I uh I started I I was a very a very anxious, worried, frightened, stressed out child. And I yeah, I found life very, very difficult. In like I, as far as I can tell, I, up until I was four, five, or six, I was I was pretty much fine, and then things just took a turn for the worse, and so I was very anxious, very worried, very stressed. And then when I was twelve, I found the solution, which was alcohol, and I was like, oh hallelujah, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. I, I, uh, it was, it was just what the doctor ordered. It was the the best medicine I'd ever found and so I was like I was all in with alcohol as soon as I tried like the first time that I I drank Diane I I had the full I had I had basically a a uh, a montage of what the future held for me I I passed out I threw up I smashed it's not in this or I smashed stuff up I got told to leave by the people, by the kids I was drinking with. I went, I went to my local park. I passed out in the bathroom. I threw up all over the place. Got home covered in vomit, and I told my parents I was feeling under the weather, and and uh, went and got showered and went to bed. So I like that. That was a foretaste of what the future held for me. But when i when i woke up the next day with the worst hangover like i'd I'd never had a hangover before i felt dreadful absolutely dreadful i was like man i'm gonna have to get better at that because what i what i saw was that how i felt when i drank was like i felt like me i was like that was what i'd been searching for for so what was i 12. i felt like i'd found what i'd been looking for for six or seven years so there was no question that i was going to be drinking like i was like yeah no i'm going to be drinking that that's i'm not i'm not doing without without that i've just got to get better at it can you tell me what what changed when you were seven why did you start to feel anxious depressed and i've got no idea i can't remember like it was uh i was growing up in a a household with a dad who was a chronic alcoholic and mm. a, a mom who was on drugs and all that sort of stuff. So it'll have been all, all, the whole, the whole uh, ecosystem I was in. But here's the thing, Diane, you put two kids in the same ecosystem and one of them turns out an alcoholic and the other one never drinks again. So I'm not, I, I, I'm not, I, if I was, if I was to start, telling a story about what changed or why it happened and be totally made up right mm, mm-hmm. but it, it was it was it will have been that eco- something about the combination of my my neurology and my spirit and my response my learning and my conditioning and my imprinting and all of that in 
in connection with that particular ecosystem and something about that. I mean, actually, it'll have been my understanding, right? Mm. It's like, the, what else is it going to be? Yeah, the meaning that you gave to whatever was what, to whatever was happening at that time in your life. Well, I wouldn't even say that. I would have no. said it was just my understanding. It was my yeah. literally my embodied understanding, not yeah. the, not at the level of meaning. I'm not interested in that. My my embodied understanding of reality. Like I work on, I work on the basis, Diane, that everyone, everyone on this planet is doing exactly what makes sense to them mm. at their current level of understanding. And by their current level of understanding, I'm not talking about the meaning they're making of stuff. That's cognitive. I'm talking about their embodied level of understanding. So to give you an example, dogs and cats are doing what makes sense to them at their current level of understanding. And they're not making much meaning of anything as far as I can no. Still got an embodied yeah. understanding. Yeah. That, I'm talking about something much more fundamental. Okay. So you carried this on up to what age? From uh, 30, 32, 31, 32. And, and what brought about the change? How, why My, did it stop? In, yeah, in, in 1990, can't quite remember. 1996, I got married, and we'd been married a couple of months, uh, maybe even only a month. And I went to a, a office party, and I was due to be taking my my new bride out for dinner that night. And she said to me, she said, uh, and I was going to an office party in the afternoon. It was our summer party for the company I worked for. And she said to me, hey, don't get drunk. Well, yeah, don't get drunk because, you know, we're going out tonight. I said, baby, I'm not going to get drunk. I probably won't even drink. But if I do, I'll only have a couple. So anyway, I got poured in the front door at about midnight, absolutely shit-faced. And when I woke up the next morning, her bags were packed. And I said, you don't have to go, baby. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm never going to drink again, which I didn't. But what I what I discovered, see, what I had been told, Diane, was that, like, for, I'd known that I had a problem with drinking pretty much from the first time I drank mm. all the way through. So this is, by the time I was 32, where maybe 20 years, 18 years in, 20 years in, whatever it was. And the story I'd been told the whole time is, Jamie, if you just stop drinking, life's going to get a lot better. Because I, I was clearly a mess, right? Like, I was quite successful and stuff, but I was, I was that, you know, when you see someone, you're like, that guy really shouldn't drink. Mm. I was that guy, okay? Mm. I was, you know, a, a danger to myself and others. And, and I said, baby, I'm not going to drink. Now, I'd always thought, because everyone had told me, and I believed that once I, if I were to stop drinking, mm -hmm. then life would get better. So I stopped drinking. And for the first couple of weeks, it was great. I'm like, I feel better. I've got more energy. I'm not hung over all the time. It's all good. And then it started getting worse. In what sense? And then it started, well, it, it, the, the alcohol had been medication. Remember, people are always doing what makes sense to them at mm -hmm. the current level of understanding. The alcohol had been medication for a misunderstanding, a misunderstanding of how life works and a misunderstanding of who you really are. That's what I was dealing with. So basically, you weren't happy with 
with Jamie? You weren't happy with who you were. Well, I, don't, I don't even I don't even know that I'd say that. Like I, these days, I wouldn't say I'm happy with Jamie. I mean, Jamie's a personality, right? Like I'm I'm happy I'm happy, except when not. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm uh, I'm not happy with Jamie. Like I love my life. I feel very grateful to have mm-hmm. the life. I feel my god i feel incredibly fortunate to have a beautiful life but i don't look at jamie i'm, like, I'm happy with jamie it's like it's irrelevant like i'm, I'm just I'm, I'm happy to have the life i have i feel very fortunate very lucky very grateful but but yeah so so the i was living like i'll give you an example my girlfriend's got a little dog called jack now we call him Jack. He doesn't call himself Jack. He's happy a lot of the time. But he's not happy with Jack. He doesn't even know the concept of Jack exists. He's just mm-hmm. happy, right? Mm-hmm. So the issue wasn't that I wasn't happy with Jamie. The issue was I had a misunderstanding of of life itself. Mm-hmm. And that misunderstanding of how of of, of feelings and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff was generating enormous amounts of stress and pressure and anxiety. Mm. And it resulted in me being, you know, depressed and angry and unhappy and mm. all that sort of stuff. And I was gutted because the the belief I'd had was that if I stopped drinking, my life was going to get much better. And instead I'd stop drinking and, and man, all of a sudden I was like, man, I could really do with a drink. And like, it sucked. Yeah. So what did you then? When you, did you go back to drinking? Uh, I, went, I, went, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous. I went to 12 Step. In the process of, I basically went to AA. And, and I, well, actually, that's not quite right. So I went, I went to a Freudian psychoanalyst. Okay, I thought, I need help with this. And he, he said basically that I needed to come and see him three times a week and get psychoanalysis, but that I also needed additional support and I needed to go to AA. So I was like, well, I went to AA before and it didn't work, but I'll give it a go. So I go to AA and I would sit there. I was going once a week, right? And I would sit there in these AA meetings once a week and I would just sit there going, oh, I'm different. I'm different. I could see why all these people, this stuff worked for it. But, but me, Diane, like I didn't have any sense of the spiritual, any sense of kind of the mind or anything like that. Like I, I'd never read a personal development book. And as far as I was concerned, I had, like I, I had had the issue of, I tended to be the smartest guy in the room. If I was in, I most, just most of my career, I tended to be pretty bright. And so intellectually I, I was able to, outflank people intellectually right so i'd be sitting in these aa meetings kind of judging everyone and being like yeah and and so i could see why it would work for these lovable people in aa but it wasn't going to work for me Hmm. anyway so i'm I'm going to one meeting a week and i was struggling like i was in a lot basically i was my choice was go to AA or kill myself. I was suicidal. I was very, very unhappy. Mm. And this guy in AA goes, how many meetings are you going to each week? 
I said, well, I just go to this meeting on a Thursday night. He goes, oh, is that because you only drank on Thursday nights? <laughs> and I was like, fuck off. Okay. Okay. He said, he said, I recommend you go to a lot of meetings. I'm like, okay, I'll go to a lot of meetings. So I start going to lots of meetings, going to lots of meetings, going to lots of meetings. Funnily enough, I learned to listen. So I was, I was still doing that thing of I was different. There was something different about me that meant it could work for everyone else and not for me. Anyway, I'm sitting in this, in this AA meeting. So it's like in a, in a, in a church hall, there's maybe 30 or 40 people there. It's a Sunday lunchtime. I'll never forget it. I'm sitting there in this meeting and I'm just kind of in kind of quite a peaceful state, actually. And I had an insight and I didn't know it was an insight. Like this is 1997. So this is 23 years ago, I think. Uh, yeah, 23 years ago. And I had an insight. I didn't know it was an insight. but the insight I had was this. I mean, if I was to put words on it, the words that that I would could describe it to you were, oh, even though you know everything and you're the smartest person you know and you've already figured out that this couldn't work for you, maybe it could work anyway. Maybe there's something you've missed. And I was like, like, Diane, it had literally never occurred to me that I might not be right. Like I, I basically, my, my thing was, if I thought something, then it was correct. And especially if it was something about me, like who would know better than me what was true? So, so, so it had literally, like a shit you not, it had never occurred to me that my own evaluation of myself and what was possible for me and all that sort of stuff could be wrong. And I was like, oh, maybe this could work for you, even though you know that it couldn't. Like, maybe it could, maybe there's something you've missed. And I was like, it was like a light went on. I was like, yeah. suddenly I had hope. Yeah. Suddenly I had hope. Like, up until that point, I'd had no hope. I was showing up, you know, for these, these meetings because it was better than killing myself. But it was touch and go. I was still like had the kill myself option if, if this didn't work out. And I didn't really, I was like showing up, showing up be, just because I, I, I thought I'll keep hanging in there. But, but I didn't really have any hope. I was hopeless. And then suddenly I had hope. And, and how it looks to me now, looking back, and I didn't see any of this at the time. I, didn't, I wouldn't have categorized that as hope. I wouldn't have known it was an insight. But looking back at it now, I, that I think that was my first experience at age whatever it was 31 32 it was my first experience of humility it was i i it was the first time i'd ever considered that i might not know everything like holy shit so that was a game changer for me yeah may i ask you why you you still i mean you didn't want to go every day or the the the, the AI, AA guy said to you why aren't you going to more meetings why if you thought you knew everything did you still go more what, what was it that was a good question i think i could see his logic his logic was that because because the thing the thing certainly about AA Diane is that 
the idea is that you're basically learning something new. And I'd been to enough meetings to know that the people who are actually getting something from it were the people who were kind of throwing themselves into it. And so while I wasn't ready to throw myself into it, I couldn't really make a good case for only coming once a week. I couldn't make a good case for it. So the thing is, while I thought I knew everything right, I, I still required myself to be internally consistent. Like, I, and there was a logic there. So when he, when he said, you know, mm. is that because you only drank on Thursday nights? I was kind of pissed off. The, the reason I was pissed off was because he was right. Mm. I, was, I was trying to, I was to give it, putting a half-assed effort into something that where actually it, it deserved something more. Hmm. What, do, what does the phrase permission to, to be you mean to you? Yeah, not much. I, I kind of, let me, let me think about it. I'll tell you another story that might, the, the thing that came to mind mm -hmm. a couple of years later, after that, that experience, maybe a year later, I, uh, I got interested in NLP. You mentioned the NLP coaching cards. I became interested in NLP in 96 or 97, but I, I went to my first NLP event, which was like a practice group in 98. And there were maybe, I know it was big, like there were like maybe a couple of hundred people there. It was a big, it was a big event. And at that event, I got the card of someone who was a, a shiatsu practitioner, which is mm -hmm. like a Japanese kind of an energy therapy and massage and that sort of thing. And she was very recommended by a bunch of people there. So I thought, oh, well, I'll go and have some shiatsu. And so I went to her, her place where she did her work. And she said, okay, go into that room and get changed. I'll be in in a few minutes. So I'm in there getting changed. And there on the wall was a quote by Marianne Williamson, which I'd never seen before. Again, I wasn't, by this point, I was kind of interested in the mind because AA and spirituality and that sort of thing. So I, I had been beaten into a state of reasonableness. And, uh, <laughs> and you had your insight as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I see this quote on the wall and it was the one that goes, our deepest fear mm. is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that okay. most frightens us. We ask, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? But actually, who are you not to be? We are, you're a child of God. You're not meant to uh, shrink. To All that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So I read that, and it was like a fire got lit inside of me. It was like the, it was like the pilot light in a in a furnace got lit okay it was like a, a light went on that hadn't hadn't been on until then if the phrase permission to be me was to mean anything it would be that moment mm. when i i feel like that was me realizing oh there's there's who you really are is already there within you. And that's there for a reason. And you're here for a reason. And you matter. You have something to offer this world. And 
that's there. See, the, it's not like up until then and I'd had the feeling that I didn't have permission to be me. If someone had said to me, Diane, if they'd said, you know, you have permission to be me, I would have looked at them like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't even know what that means. Like, I would have been like, okay, thanks for letting me know. It wouldn't have even made any sense, right? Yeah. Like, because it, it wasn't, I, it's not like I'd spent my life feeling like I didn't have permission to yeah. be me. Just to be clear, Diane, up until I had to stop drinking, right? Like I, the way I experienced it was I had to, because otherwise my wife was going to leave and that would be terrible. Like I didn't want to stop drinking. I had to, because my marriage was really important to me. But up until then, I hadn't been interested in trying to be me. I'd been interested in drinking and getting laid and making money and, and that kind of stuff. I wasn't, wasn't on some spiritual quest or some quest to express myself or anything like that. I was... I, you know, I was not, that was hippie bullshit. I wasn't interested in that. Mm, okay. I was like, that didn't even occupy a line in my mind. Okay. I, I was, I was interested in partying and having a good time and all that sort of stuff. So that the period from stopping drinking and having to stop drinking, I had to, like, I was, I was going to drink myself to death otherwise. The period from that in 1996 uh, through that kind of waking up and, mm. and denumbing and all of that that was going on, the, it wasn't like I was looking for permission to be me. It was mm. like it was happening to me. It was a process that was happening to me. And I wasn't consciously driving it. It was, a, it was organic. It's an organic process. What I'm hearing, what I gathered from your story is that it was like, it was a journey to learning to be, to be humble. It was, but it was a journey. Relatively, to, hum, relatively humble. To, to I'm not through. often accused. I'm not often accused of being humble. No, I no, I'm not saying <laughs> that. But it was. It's like, it was your start. It was a start of right. Oh, yeah. You think oh, you know yeah. it all, but you don't. Yeah, and then some. Yeah. The, so yeah, you bad. That is humbling. That. That yeah. is humbling. I'm, I'm, I, oh, yeah. I don't yeah, know you bet. well enough to know if you're humble or not. I mean, I've seen you on Facebook but, but Lives. It, but. but it is humbling because the thing is, and the, and the funny thing is that it, for anyone who's interested in 12 step, like 12 step is a severely humbling process. Not, not in, in the sense of, okay, now be humble. Like it's humbling because... The first step is, you know, we we admitted that we were powerless, that we that our lives had become unmanageable. So step one is you can't even manage your own life, and then came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So it's like, yeah, not you, pal. Something that isn't you is the thing that's going to sort you out. And then step three is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand. So it's like, yeah, you're not going to run your life. I remember someone saying, saying to me, yeah, that's when the miracle happens. And I'm like, what's the miracle? And I'm like, the miracle is your life is no longer going to be in the hands of an idiot. And I'm like, 
<laughs> it's like, well, I, I don't much like the sound of that. It's yeah. like, yeah, but you're the one who's, you know, you, you being the idiot. By this. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> so it is inherent. If you go through that process, yeah. it is inherently humble. Yeah. Jamie, I don't have any more questions. It was interesting to listen to your version and, and actually kind of good to hear that you didn't need permission because I asked for permission constantly. I unknowingly asked for that. That's why this is so close to my heart. And it's, it's refreshing to hear a story of someone who had a really hard teenage, young adult life, but somehow the alcohol, I wouldn't say saved you because saved See, you. I would, I would. You would say that, like, the, okay. Oh yeah, like if, I think if I hadn't had that, mm. I don't know what would have become of me. Like I think that, I, I, I passionately believe, Diane, that everyone, does what makes sense to them at the mm. current level of understanding. And so that includes people who are addicted to alcohol or heroin or crack or whatever, like or that chocolate. looks to me, or chocolate. But, but here's the thing, it looks to me like that's wisdom in action. Like I, I, when I was 12 years old, I found something that could make it possible for me to deal with- To the, survive. Yeah, yeah, and and kids I went to school with killed themselves, right? So they that that was kind of like I feel lucky that I didn't mm. take that option. I that abs absolutely looks to me like it saved my day. And on this note, thank you very much. Oh, it's for... a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. I really, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, may I ask you to share this podcast with as many friends as possible. The intention of this podcast is to impact as many people as possible, to inspire them, to give themselves permission to show up as they are, warts and all. In the meantime, may I invite you to go to my website butv.com go to the home page and subscribe to the podcast that way you will be kept up to date bye for now